0: So Shelly and I have three kids, if you're unaware. Nate turns 10 this year. Haley is six, and Lucas will turn four in the fall. So we've been navigating life with kids for almost a decade now, which is short in comparison to many parents in this room, I know. And we're still trying to figure this whole parenting thing out. We read books. We talk with parents that have gone before us. We, of course, pray, uh, and then we pray again. We're seeking divine counsel, and we are committed, as I shared with our our families here today that dedicated their kids, that we want our kids to be our best disciples. We're committed to that. And so as part of that, Shelley and I, as we were talking, we felt like it'd be a, a good idea this summer for me to take Nate away for a couple of days to camp and to work through what's called Passport to Purity. Here's what I know. If you're not having conversations with your kids as it relates to becoming a teenager, peer pressure, challenges they'll face, somebody's going to have those conversations with them, and I doubt it's going to be Bible-centered. So I cannot encourage you enough, as parents, have honest conversations with your kids. Um, your kids need to know your views on all of these things, and this is a, an easy resource. So I felt like it'd be a, a great thing to do to kick off our message this morning by asking for those that would be interested. Now, you've got to commit, let me, let me put this out there first, to being willing to spend a couple of days and several sessions, hours of, of activities and discussions to walk through that with your kids. So we're going to actually have a drawing and give some of these away. So I've got three this morning. So floor hosts, if you wouldn't mind to come down the aisle, they've got small strips of paper. If you're interested in receiving one of those, simply raise your hand and they'll pass a small sheet of paper down your row. I want you to write your first and last name on it. And we'll do a drawing at the end of the message. If you'd be interested in walking through this with your kids, it's audio CDs. So simply raise your hand and they'll get a sheet of paper to you. Good news is, if there's few that do it, you're likely to win. <laughs> but I would encourage you as parents. Man, it's a, we want to put resources in your hands that help you as a parent to have godly discussions with your kids um, that are challenging to have. Um, but it's important to have to make sure your kids stay on the right path. So again, if you could go ahead, just raise your hand, the ushers, the floor hosts are coming by with small strips of paper. So if you just write your first and last name, please do me a favor, write it legibly, so I'm not guessing at the end of the service what your name is. Um, That'll save us some hassle. As you're getting that paper, we're going to collect those in a minute. As you're writing your name, I I do want to talk a minute about Royal Rangers. It's a connect group for boys on Sunday nights. I joined them last Sunday at Happy Hollow Park, where... Uh, They played some games, they went hiking, and then heard a, a great Bible teaching from Jim Allen, our Royal Ranger commander, and we've talked in the church about the importance of godly peer pressure for all of us, and how we can stir one another on to love and good works. This is from the book of Hebrews. This is true for your kids as well, and one of the outlets we have for our boys is Royal Rangers. So I encourage you, find ways to ensure your kids have godly peer pressure in their lives, Of course, that's happening right now in the back with Brightside and Kids Cove and Big Backyard. Omega Sports Camp was a great week where kids had godly peer pressure in their life. Obviously, in our youth ministry, in infusion on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights, that's ways that our youth can have godly peer pressure in their life. Make sure your kids have that. They need it. And of course, they need you to lead them well at home. Uh, But one of the things that stood out to me last Sunday night as I was hanging out with Royal Rangers at Happy Hollow was the value for boys having time with godly men, like Jim Allen and, and Tony Mull. Uh, I know Jeremy Hostetler, there's many that help with Royal Rangers, Ken Halsma. And it's important to make sure that your boys have godly influences. They need a dad, but they also need more than that. But I'd especially like to encourage our single moms. If you're a single mom and you want to make sure your boys have godly influences, Raw Rangers is a great place to plug in. And let me say this to the men... Men, if you want to influence boys for the kingdom, help out in Royal Rangers. Talk to Jim Allen. I know that he'd love to get you plugged in as a way to ensure that we're raising our boys and all of our kids to love God and love others. Now, if you filled out that piece of paper, all I'm going to simply ask you to do is if you could pass that to your right, my left. So pass that down to the right, and we'll have our floor host to come to pick those up. So if you got that strip of paper, you wrote your name on it, feel free to pass that down the aisle, and they're going to come by and collect those. Here's what I know. Our, our kids are growing up in a challenging world. I can tell you, my parents did not take me away for a couple of days to have these kinds of conversations, but I grew up in a different world. I didn't grow up with smartphones. We often joke with Leon about his flip phone. I won't tell you what he calls his phone. He doesn't call it smart. Tablets, laptops, Netflix, Facebook. And Honestly, I'm not saying any of these things are bad, but what I do know is they have the capacity to bring challenging things into your home, and you've got to make sure your kids are Jesus-centered before they're influenced by those. Um, so it's not a bad thing to have those things, but you've just got to make sure you've done your part to instruct them well. It's important to have open, honest, Jesus-centered conversations with your kids and teens. If you're not, again, I'll, I'll tell you, somebody else is. I really don't care for my kids to learn about all of these things in life, through a non-Bible-centered lens. I want my kids to have a biblical view on life and to follow that, knowing that's God's best for their life. God loves us. He is for us. He's not against us. Uh, As we examine his word and follow his precepts, we know we're avoiding obstacles on the path that we're going to talk about this morning. So help your kids do that. You know, we dedicated five children to the Lord today. Uh, That's more than an exercise in religion. It's a moment to stop and say, God, you gave us these kids, but they are yours. You simply entrusted them into our care. As we follow you, King Jesus, may they follow us. May they take some of us with them when they leave our home in order to live well. That's what we're doing. And one of the books of the Bible that focuses on how to navigate the pitfalls of life, of which there are many, is the wisdom of Proverbs. One of the metaphors throughout the first part of Proverbs is the path. It implies that everyone is walking on a path, a straight one, or a crooked path. It's clear that danger lurks on the crooked path. Traps and snares that can foul up one's walk on the proper path of life. This path culminates not in life, but in death. On the other hand, there is a right path. The path that leads to life. This path is straight and well-lit, and one who stays on this path will not stumble. So what we're going to discover this morning is this, a good-hearted father, and let me say this, a good-hearted parent can lead his family on the right path. Jesus talking about the choices we have in this life regarding what path we will take, this is what he shares, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. It's a challenge sometimes to follow King Jesus in a world that does not. But it is what we're called to. And we know as we do, we're granted eternity with him. Eugene Peterson in the message, here's what he writes about those same verses. He says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Can't let our guard down. It's easy to do so. This life is a journey, and we must choose the right path. Jesus says the path that leads to life is narrow, while the path that leads to death is wide. So what path are you on? The one that leads to death... Or life the reader of proverbs is represented by the son or by all young men however when you look at the preamble of proverbs it broadens the audience of the book to include everyone men and women so although this message i'm going to share this morning could be delivered straightforwardly to fathers equipping sons it's a message for all of us as we journey through life working to avoid pitfalls and staying on the path that leads to life the father in Proverbs is encouraging his son to embrace woman wisdom. Paul, writing in Colossians 1.15, he talks about Jesus existing before anything was created and as supreme over all creation. Paul is inviting a comparison here. Wisdom was first born in Proverbs 8. Jesus is first born in Colossians. Wisdom is the agent of divine creation in Proverbs, but Christ is the agent in Colossians. So Paul is using terminology that would put Jesus as the wisdom written about in Proverbs. You know, the ancient Israelite, they would read the metaphors of woman wisdom and woman folly as a choice between Yahweh and the false gods of the nations, a choice between God and Baal. It's important to understand how the original readers would have understood it. But as a New Testament believer reading through Proverbs, we can take woman folly as anything or anyone who seeks to divert our primary attention away from our relationship with Jesus. Idols today are typically more subtle than in ancient times. Rather than deities in their images, we are lured by more abstract and conceptual idols. Power, wealth, Relationships, status. Idols come in many forms, but all still have the ability to lead us down the wrong path. So the question is what must we do to walk straight? How can we be sure to keep on the right path? And if you are a parent, to lead our children on the right path as well? Well, to examine this principle this morning, we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do invite you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. If you do not have a Bible, please know there is one located underneath your seat, although I'm looking to maybe not this morning. But if not, we'll have it on the screen as well. Uh, But feel free, if you don't have a Bible and would like one, our church would be happy to gift one to you. And as you gather your Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 4, I'd also like to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Just to show reverence to his word, the gift that he gave us in the word, Of course, we see the word realized in Jesus. We see that in the opening of the Gospel of John. So we're in Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to be reading from verses 23 through 27. Amen. These are the very words of God. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, one of the things when we examine Scripture and we look at its application to our lives is we look at the chapters that come before it and come after it to understand the context of the passage. And when you do this with Proverbs chapter 4, something interesting happens. You see, Proverbs chapter 3, it parallels chapter 4. You could put them side by side. But with one important difference, and it's this. Chapter 3 references the teaching of Yahweh to the Son, whereas chapter 4 refers to the teaching of the Father for the Son. And here's why this is important. This indicates a tradition of teaching that begins with God and is passed from generation to generation. It shows the relationship of a father, a parent, following God and then pointing their children to him as wisdom as well could be applied to all spiritual mothers and fathers in the church as they interact with kids and teens and point them to Jesus. These chapters serve as an example for us all on what it means to walk down the right path and lead others to do the same, that we all should be looking first to the wisdom found in God and leading others to follow in that same wisdom. My dad, he grew up in an unchurched home, and at the age of 16, He was a typical teenage boy, wanted to date a girl uh, who luckily was going to church and said, look, if you want to date me, you've got to come to church with me. Uh, So that worked. He went to church and he got to church and experienced God, made a decision to follow Christ, gave his heart over to the Lord after he graduated high school and enrolled in the Air Force. It was during the Vietnam days. So he was in the Air Force, wound up stationed at Ellsworth Air Force Base in South Dakota, where he met my mom in church they got married, they had four kids, I'm number three, Uh, we all serve Jesus. Now I've got three kids who are serving Jesus. So could that girl who was simply trying to say, look, I'm not going to date you because you're not a Christian, could she have ever imagined that by telling my dad, look, you've got to come to church with me, have now been able to have seen him as a godly father raising four kids who now has nine grandkids between my siblings who are all serving jesus it's a powerful thing when you change the life of one and the generations thereafter may we never lose sight of that as we invite kids to make a sports camp as you load up your minivan with neighborhood kids and bring them to church as you invite them to infusion to our, our youth meetings, as you invite people to come and join you for Father's Day, to come to a baby dedication, all kinds of ways that God will intervene in someone's life and change the life of that person and the lives of their family for generations to come. Let's not take that lightly. Now, as we look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, here's what it relates Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart, for it governs all activity in your life. It is a source of the body's activities. Life has its fountains in the heart. The heart and wisdom literature, the genre of Proverbs is ascribed to, it's understood as the mind, a person's desires, emotions, and attitudes. So the father is giving counsel to his son to guard his mind his desires, his emotions, and attitudes. And he then provides three ways to do it, and that's what we're going to look at. The first is this, that a good-hearted father can lead his family on the right path by guarding his speech. The mouth is understood to be the direct conduit to and from the heart. As one speaks, so that person is understood to be. And on the other hand, what one says affects the heart. The heart of the person speaking and the heart of the person receiving the communication. We must keep ourselves as far away as possible from lying, deception, insensitivity, hurting, disfiguring, disproportion, and brutality in speech. James, the brother of Jesus, here's what he says. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in his mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Let me say this, you either bless, you can both bless and curse with your tongue. So what are you choosing to do? When you become frustrated at work, you need to guard your tongue. When your kids push you past all limits, as they like to do, you need to protect your mouth. When others begin to talk badly about another person, walk away from the conversation. You can stay on the right path by guarding your speech. Second thing I'd like to share is that a good-hearted father can lead his family on the right path by guarding his eyes. As the mouth must not deviate, so the eyes must not swerve, looking neither to the right or to the left. We know that the way we look is often then the way that we begin to walk. Your eyes must give undivided attention to the right path. Your eyes are always searching for new stimuli. Proverbs 27.20 It relates, sometimes I love the way Proverbs is written. It's like Yoda wrote it. Here's what it says. Never satisfied are the eyes of men. But it's true. Never satisfied are the eyes of man. So the son is encouraged to keep his eyes from straying to wrongful stimuli. Proverbs 17.24 declares, The discerning sets his face toward wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. The discerning person concentrates on wisdom, Jesus, while fools dissipate their focus by looking everywhere else. In other words, the person on the right path keeps their eyes fixed on Jesus, whereas the fool keeps searching this world for new stimuli, staying on the dark path that leads to death. As long as people have their gaze fixed on heavenly truth, the enemy has no advantage over them. Think about this in the Garden of Eden. Eve fell only after she looked at the forbidden fruit. She looked to the left or to the right. Fix your gaze on Jesus. I was with Nate in Walmart a couple of months ago, and we were walking down the aisle, um, and I could catch his eyes kind of looking to the left and to the right. And, of course, there's magazines on aisles, and um, I asked him, buddy, what do you think? He's like, why do these people not have clothes on? Uh, And I said, because they want to catch your eyes. I said, are those things we should look at? No. I said, where should we look? Let's just keep looking forward. That's it, buddy. Let's keep looking forward. (laughs) When you're working on your computer, sitting on your smartphone or playing games on your tablet, don't allow your eyes to wander to places on the internet that will affect the way you view the opposite sex. When you're choosing a TV show or movie to watch, select one that will keep your eyes on the right path. When you're checking out at Walmart or Meyer, don't spend time looking at the magazines that line the aisles. As Nate said, let's keep looking forward. Eyes must remain focused on the right course for the foot to walk straight. Because that's the last verse. A good-hearted father can lead his family on the right path by walking straight. The son must take care that every step conforms with the straight path. One false step could prove Fatal. Your foot calls attention to every step taken in the road of life. The father demands an extreme separation from the wrong way and an extreme commitment to the right path. There's no third way. There are only two paths. There's a narrow path and a wide road that leads to destruction. Fathers, mothers, men and women, teenagers, kids. I know we've got a couple in the room today. Make the decision to walk the path that leads to life. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. This is best accomplished by spending time every morning or evening reading the Bible, taking time to pray, maybe even singing some songs about him in order to walk straight. It is done by making sure you have godly peer pressure in your life. Be committed to a faith family. We've talked about that. Be involved in a connect group. Staying on the right path requires time spent with Jesus an interaction with the family of god this is god's design for journeying life well a good heart keeps a person on the right path whereas folly straying from the right path steal drain vandalize and disturb the balance of life as god has ordered it there's much in this world that works to disturb god's created order and ultimately steal life i encounter it often in the lives of many, many people who I've seen be derailed. Live a disciplined life by guarding what you think, what you say, and what you do, because guarding these things guards life. Before we leave, I do want to give opportunity for people to make a decision to choose wisdom today, to choose Jesus. You cannot lead others to wisdom if you have not chosen it for yourself. You cannot stay on the right path without Jesus. You simply can't. So, if you're here today and you realize you have not made the decision to follow Jesus, to live a life grounded in wisdom that is Him, but you desire today to choose wisdom, to get on the path that leads to life, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand in a moment and we're going to pray and pray this morning. So, I'm going to ask that every head be bowed here this morning. And I want to ask would you like to choose wisdom today in the person of Jesus and stay on the lighted path that leads to life? that's you here today to say, yes, I want to choose Jesus. I want to choose wisdom. I want to live and walk on the right path right now. I'm on that wide road that leads to destruction. Simply raise your hand. We're going to pray with you before you go today. No greater thing you could do on Father's Day but to make that decision to get on that right and straight path today, the one that's well lit by him and his word. Anybody here today, you walked in on the wrong path, but you want to leave on the right path. Simply raise your hand and we'll pray. Thank you. Over here on the right, I see your hand. Pray with you here in a moment. Anybody else? Over on the left. Anybody else here today? You came in walking the wrong path, but you want to walk on the right path. Somebody here in the middle. Anybody else? Don't leave today walking on the wrong path. Go through the door that leads to eternity with King Jesus and others who have made that same decision. I'm going to invite us to stand here this morning because I'm going to pray. Then I'm also going to have us close in song. So if you wouldn't mind to stand where you're at. If you made that decision today, Pastor Jennifer's up here in the front. Here's what we'd like to do is to help you stay on that right path. We simply want to give you a Bible and some instructions on where you go from here. Following Jesus is more than a one-time decision. It's a lifetime of endurance about running the race well. And So we want to help you do that. So if you raise your hand this morning, if I can just invite you to step out, come over here with Pastor Jennifer. There were several of you today, and we're going to give you a Bible and give you instructions on what you can do to follow Jesus and follow him well. I'm going to have Pastor Jennifer just stay here. I want to pray with you. And as we begin to sing, if that was you, please step out this morning. Come down with Pastor Jennifer and she'll walk you to the side. She'll walk you to a side room so you don't have to stay in here to get that Bible. King Jesus, we just thank you that you are first and foremost the example we have as a good father. We pray, Lord, that we would follow in your steps, that we would seek you as wisdom. You and your kingdom first. God, I pray as we close in song. And as we soon leave from this place, that we devote ourselves to walking the path that you've laid out before us by guarding our hearts. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to sing.